Hi, I'm Thomas. Welcome to the Parachute Advice Podcast. My life has taken a lot of twists and turns, and on this podcast, I will dive into those experiences. The goal is to help everyone listening learn from my experiences and hopefully avoid some of the mistakes I've made. Hi, welcome to today's episode of the Parachute Advice Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas. Today, I want to discuss exercise. This is a topic that creates a lot of discussion and passionate responses from everyone in the weight loss community. On today's show, I plan to share my views and my views alone. As always, I'm not an expert on this topic. I am just here to share what I think and what I have done personally. I think my successful weight loss plan over the last two years does show that my approach works. At least it did for me. This is not to say my way is the only way, but I do think it's a solid path to success for some. I'm a firm believer in the idea that the best plan for each person is the one that works best for them and gives you the results you want. So take the plan as I did, use it as a starting point or as a path of something you don't want to do, but do what is best for your long-term success. Everyone's life, body, and situation is very different and you need to tailor things to what works for you. For example, I'm single and live alone, so when I come home after work, I have no one vying for my attention. This allows me the luxury of having a very consistent set routine every day. To that point, let me start with this. I did not use exercise to lose weight. As I mentioned in earlier episodes, it was very important to me to do it through diet and diet alone. Why was this important to me? First off, the line you can't out-exercise a bad diet really struck with me. And like I've said, man, did I have a bad diet. So first off, I needed to address this. In a New York Times article titled, Your Workout Burns Fewer Calories Than You Think They State, for every 100 calories we might expect to burn as a result of working out, most of us will actually net fewer than 72 calories burned, according to an eye-opening new study of how physical activity affects our metabolism. The study, Energy Compensation and Adaptability in Humans, finds that our bodies tend to automatically compensate for at least a quarter of the calories we expend during exercise, undermining our best efforts to drop pounds by working out. The study finds that our bodies tend to automatically compensate for at least a quarter of the calories we expend during exercise, undermining our best efforts to drop pounds by working out. The results also show that carrying extra pounds unfortunately compounds calorie consumption, making weight loss through exercise even more elusive for those who are already overweight. Next, for me personally, I frankly hated working out and exercise. In high school, I was a three-sport athlete all four years, and I think the result for me personally was that working out became a chore and took a lot of the fun out of it. I spent 10 months a year in either the gym lifting weights or on the field running and practicing. My high school schedule was working out or practicing five days a week from 3.30 to 5.30 and then events on the weekend. The only two months off were usually June and July every year. August was the kickoff of football season, which meant five-day-a-week, two-a-days, until school started. Then it was practice or working out every day after school for the whole school year. For those of you who may have never heard the term two-a-day, it meant a schedule Monday through Friday of practice from 8 or 9 a.m. to at 11 or 12 every morning, and then 3 to 5 every afternoon. As you can imagine, working out for me became less fun every day. I also think this is one of the major reasons I gained so much weight over the years. My diet never adjusted after high school, yet my activity went way down. Imagine having the appetite of someone who worked out that much and then just stopped working out 
while continuing to eat like that. While in high school, especially during the season, my diet to fuel all that energy burn was insane. The night before games was always pasta night, which meant a pound of pasta with a vegetable-rich heavy meat sauce. Then before games, especially in hot weather, it would be three to six bagels with cream cheese and a liter or more of tonic water. Then post-game was a huge meal of fast food on the way home, especially if it was a road game. Why the unusual meal before games? I wanted the slow-burning carbs in the bagels and the fast-acting sugars in the tonic. Plus, I subscribed to the school of thought that tonic water can help prevent leg cramps because of the quinine. This brings me back to the idea of why it was so important to lose weight through diet and not excessive exercise. There are plenty of stories of people who have done this. But more scary is the stories of those who did and then for one reason or another lost the ability to work out and immediately gained all the weight back. I did not want that to be me. And let's be honest, as each of us gets older, injury gets more likely. Hell, I just recently got COVID. Thankfully, it was pretty mild, which I credit to being vaccinated. But it was still very hard for two weeks not being able to work out. I immediately made sure to closely watch my diet so while being sedentary for two weeks, I was not Back to my old way of eating. Another issue I read too much about is the data inaccuracy when it comes to understanding calorie burn rates as it relates to exercise. That confusion alone makes it hard to judge how hard to work out to get the results you want. Plus, do you realize how hard you have to work out to cut enough calories to get one pound of weight loss a week if you don't change your diet? Plus, there are studies that have shown for some people, excessive exercise drives up hunger while not equally driving up calorie burn. Next, there's the studies out there that show exercise unless extreme and overly excessive does not in fact increase calorie burn over the course of a day. Your body simply adjusts. What am I saying? Well, let's look at it this way. If your base metabolic rate is 2,000 calories a day and you work out for 30 minutes doing a solid high-intensity interval training workout that you should burn 350 calories doing, your daily calorie burn did not go to 2,350. It's still 2,000. This is probably very shocking to a lot of people, but when I really got into reading about this and started learning about it, it made sense. According to an article on the website Vox titled, The Science is In, Exercise Won't Help You Lose Much Weight, it says what's important to absorb is the fact that we have very little control over our base metabolic rate, but it's actually our biggest energy hog. It's generally accepted that for most people, the base metabolic rate accounts for 60 to 80% of total energy expenditures. Digesting food accounts for about 10%. That leaves only 10 to 30% for physical activity, of which exercise is only a subset. Remember, physical activity includes all movements, including walking around, fidgeting, or etc. I look at it this way. Our bodies have had tens of thousands of years to develop the ability to optimize our calorie burn. Think about it this way. It has only been a few hundred years at best that we have had easy access to calories. I would argue it really has only been the last hundred years or less. For most of our ancestors, in order to eat and fuel our bodies, we had to burn significant calories first. Whether it was hunting and gathering or farming, it was in our best interest to minimize calorie burn. Imagine if every time you wanted to quote grocery shop, You had to hike to your store of choice, then sit there and wait for the protein to arrive, kill it, process it, and haul it back home. At that point, you needed to process it further for storage. After all of that, 
if you wanted a complete meal, you needed to go back out and locate your side dishes like greens, grains, or a starch. All of this before you even got to sit down and eat. Obviously, hunter-gatherers would have some food on hand and often eat some of their kill right then and there. But my point is, up until recently, getting fuel for our body was much harder and required a great deal of energy compared to now. Hell, I can sit on my couch, place an order for 10,000 calories from Uber Eats at any hour of the day, and all the effort I have to put in is ordering it and walking to the front door to get it. Second to this is the idea that while you may have burned 350 calories while you worked out, your body was going to burn around 100 calories over that time period anyways, just from your base metabolic rate. So in reality, you only added 250 calories of additional energy usage to your day. On top of this, you will likely dial back other activities after you exercise, whether you realize it or not. For example, if you're a big hand talker which uses energy, there's a good chance your body will do less of this subconsciously in an effort to conserve energy. Or, whether you choose to or not, you will limit how much you walk at work or simply go to bed a bit earlier due to how tired you are. After all of this, I know it sounds like I'm against exercise and that's far from the case. I did choose to not add exercise into my routine until I had lost 140 of the 185 pounds I ultimately lost over 19 months. Why did I add an exercise? It was twofold. As I mentioned, my family has a history of heart disease and fatal heart attacks, so I thought it would be good to work on my cardiovascular health. And second, I was bored. I had taken a few days off of work and realized I had all this free time and all I was doing was just sitting around. So why not do some activity? Plus, it could be a new thing for me to focus on since at that point, the dieting had become routine and a bit boring to me. I need challenge in my life, both physically and more importantly, mentally, to stay excited and engaged. So what did I do to add in exercise? First off, I am cheap and had no interest in spending a ton of money on equipment or gym memberships. Secondly, I could probably fill a closet or two with all the sports equipment I've bought over the years that goes unused now. So I started out simply walking. Initially, I used Google Maps to find a two-mile path through my neighborhood, and I just walked that every day after work and timed myself, pushing for a better time each day. As I got bored with the same route, I started using my Fitbit to track each walk with my GPS and heart rate. This was a great way to relax and listen to podcasts every day after work. At my peak, I was doing about three miles in an hour each day. I quickly realized I was not seeing the improvements I wanted to, and the only way that was going to happen was to turn the walks into runs. And I hate running. Pure and simple, I do not and will not run unless my life is in danger. Plus, living in Wisconsin, winter hit, and the snow and ice showed up. Complete side note pet peeve of mine. If you live in a place with snow, please shovel your public sidewalks and put down salt or ice melt. Oh, and this includes the curb cuts. If you're on a corner lot, please shovel out the corners. All it took was one walk where I nearly killed myself falling and that was the end of outdoor walks for me. I tried to find an indoor option, but most places were closed or limiting people due to COVID. But one key aspect I got out of the walks was I had built a habit and consistency around working out and shockingly, I liked that in my day. I quickly found I missed it when I stopped walking. This forced me to realize I wanted to exercise and needed to find a solution that would work for me. I spent several months trying to find what I would ultimately do for exercise. What I learned was I liked coming home from work and throwing on workout clothes and just going. 
The idea of adding in gym travel time and prep just did not appeal to me. Too quickly, an hour gym session turns into a two-hour round trip. So it was clear I wanted a piece of cardio equipment for my house since the type of weight training I enjoyed in the past would be too hard to set up at home. On top of that, it was COVID still, and it was nearly impossible to find workout equipment. If you've ever helped anyone move a treadmill, you know that that sucks. That plus the cost of a good treadmill being $1,500 or more quickly made that option a no-go. Next was ellipticals, and I have just never liked using them, so that was out. That left me with two ideas, a spin stationary bike or a rowing machine. After a lot of back and forth, I decided a spin bike was what I wanted to get. I bet everyone listening is expecting me to say this is where I decided to jump on the pandemic Peloton bandwagon. Shocker, but no, I did not. Why is this? Plain and simple, we're back to I'm cheap. At the time, February of 2021, the basic Peloton bike was $1,800 and the Bike Plus was $2,400. Couple that with the fact that you had to subscribe to their monthly subscription service at $40 a month and you were locked into their ecosystem and I was out. I knew I wanted a good built bike with Bluetooth connectivity, built-in sensors, and magnetic resistance, which is easier to use, lasts longer, and is quiet and feels better when riding. That eliminated most lower-cost stationary bikes for me. That is not to say if you're on a budget, you can't get one of those cheaper bikes. It just wasn't the route I wanted to go. I have a good friend who is still using a $250 bike with an $80 add-on Bluetooth cadence sensor to do spin at home and loves it. There's a lot of great spin or indoor cycling apps out there, including the app version of Peloton, Zwift, Sufferfest, iFit, Apple Fitness, Ruby, Fuel Gas, Tax, Trainer Road, and several generic stats trackers as well, all of which do not work on a Peloton. There are some workarounds I've seen, but to the most part, any bike that is from a specific company that offers classes locks you into their ecosystem, like Peloton, Echelon, Bowflex, or Nordertrack. There's a few others that slipped my mind as well. So where did this leave me? From everything I had read to that point, the Schwinn IC4 offered me the best experience and the best cost point. It was not cheap, but it was far more affordable than a Peloton. So I ordered online for in-store pickup from Dick's Sporting Goods. If you're a first-time customer, you can get a significant discount on your first online order. Target also offers some discounts on the bike through their rewards program from time to time. So I spent $900 for my bike, basically half the price of a basic Peloton. There's also a lot of online communities where people are often selling used ones. Next was to pick what app I would use. I started a free trial with Peloton and frankly loved it. I didn't think I would, but they sucked me in. You don't get nearly as many features or stats using the app versus the bike, but I only pay $13 a month versus $40. Yeah, the leaderboard would be cool and all the data like power output would be great to have, but not for the extra cost. Plus, I can cancel and change apps anytime I want or use multiple ones based on my mood. Some like Zwift and Sufferfest are almost game-like. My setup, which I'll share photos of on Instagram, is my bike in front of my 32-inch bedroom TV, which I use a Roku to airplay from my iPhone. The iPhone connects to the bike's Bluetooth for cadence and the included heart rate monitor that came with the bike. The TV is just to make the sound louder and the class instructor bigger, but I could just as easily use the iPhone on its own. 
Couple things to know here. This bike in the Peloton app plays better with an iPhone or iPad than Android. Also, if you wanna use your Apple Watch for heart rate, it has to be an iPhone to work. Next, and probably the biggest one, is the resistance the Peloton instructor calls out will not match the Schwinn IC4. There are a million ways online to figure out this info, and people claim every bike is different. But what I used was the rule of subtracting 15 from what the instructor calls out and set the Schwinn to that, up to 50. After 50, I'm not sure because I rarely ride at that resistance, even if, even if it's called out because I don't like riding standing up. That's just a personal preference of mine. So if they say a resistance of 35, I set my bike to 20. I recently tried a friend's Peloton Bike Plus, and I think this is a fairly close estimation of resistance. Next, I upgraded to Shimano pedals so I could use actual biking shoes and clip in easily. I went with Shimano PD M520 pedals and Shimano XC3 shoes. I tried to start with regular shoes and the pedals on the bike, but quickly found this to just not work for me. You will get better performance by clipping in. I don't care what anyone says, cages for regular shoes just are not the same as physically being connected to the bike. This says a lot for a guy as cheap as me to go and buy $50 pedals and $125 shoes, but I assure you it makes a huge difference. So there I was, all an investment of $1,039, plus $1,370 a month for a Peloton app. My next rule was I needed to make sure I used it enough to make purchasing cheaper than using a gym or spin club. On average, a spin class is $12 to $15 or $150 a month for an unlimited membership. So I tracked till the number of rides and months used got me to that or below. As of today, my per workout cost is under $6.50 and my monthly cost is at about $100. And both will keep going down the more I use it since the majority of the cost is spent and not increasing. One big idea I buy into is the concept that it takes three months of consistently doing something to turn that activity into a habit. If you know anything about spin, you know that reaching 100 rides is a major milestone. I decided to make my new exercise routine a habit. I would do this by pushing to do 100 rides or 100 classes in 100 days. I started out slow with a lot of beginner 15 or 20 minute classes to build comfort. The first week was tough. My legs and hips would kill me after rides and God did my butt hurt from that seat. I vividly remember to this day getting on the bike, sitting down and nearly throwing up from how sore my butt was. As for my legs and hips, I worked in daily stretching routines before and after my rides and that helped greatly. As for the seat, I just powered through and after the first week or so, I was comfortable on the seat and now it doesn't bother me at all. Initially, I was doing one class a day and hit a 20-day streak to start before I started having a lot of hip pain from overwork. At that point, I switched to five or six days a week and would do two classes some days to get additional time in. For example, on Saturday mornings, I would often get up and do a 30-minute music-themed ride and then a 15-minute low-impact ride. Or I might do a warm-up ride and then do a hard hit or Tabata ride. If you are short on time or lose interest quickly but want a great workout, I'm telling you there is nothing like an 8 out of 10 on the effort scale Tabata ride. Tabata is a form of hit where the high intensity period is two times the low intensity portion. So you go all out for 20 seconds and then you rest for 10. Ultimately, I hit my goal 
And by that point, doing spin regularly had become such a part of my life that I genuinely miss it on the days I don't ride. As of recording this episode, I've hit 200 classes in 287 days with a plan to hit 250 or more in the first year. The health impacts have been monumental. I've seen my resting heart rate go from the 60s down to as low as 47 if I have a solid stretch of working out and clean eating. At some point, I would like to add in weights or resistance training and might purchase a rowing machine to mix things up, but for now, I'm very happy with what I'm doing. My current routine is five days a week, 20 to 30 minutes a day with a mix of hit, Tabata, hill climb, and low impact rides. I try to average a heart rate of 130 to 140 on my hard days and 115 to 125 on my low impact days. Are there weeks that I work out less? Yes. The summer was rough. There were times I only worked out one or two times a week, but I always made sure to get it in at least a few times. Some other side effects between weight loss and the cardio is I have completely eliminated the need for a high blood pressure medication and feel amazing. I no longer dread long walks or days of high physical activity because of how good my cardio health has become between the working out and the weight loss. In the end, find an activity you enjoy and can make a consistent part of your day. It can be anything that gets you moving and preferably increases your heart rate. Some examples is walking, jogging, riding a bike, getting a gym membership, hiking, skateboarding, simple body weight exercise, or really anything besides sitting on the couch watching TV. On top of that, you don't need a ton of equipment or have to spend a lot of money or really any money to get into exercise. If you want some small, simple equipment, look on Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, play it against sports, or discount stores like TJ Maxx and Sierra Trading Post. One last side note, it's something I've done and seen done. After working out, Watch your eating habits. Drastic increases in energy expenditures will create hunger and with that desire to eat more. A lot of the so-called workout supplements and food items are loaded with calories that they're designed to be calorie dense to make fueling up on the go easy, but can easily wreck your diet. A 250 calorie protein bar on your ride home from the gym can easily be the difference between losing weight or not. An article on Vox, the science is in, exercise won't help you lose much weight goes on to discuss, one 2009 study shows that people seem to increase their food intake after exercise, either because they thought they burned off a lot of calories or because they were hungrier. Another review of studies from 2012 found that people generally overestimated how much energy exercise burned and ate more when they worked out. You work hard on that machine for an hour and that work can be erased with five minutes of eating afterward, Hall said. A single slice of pizza, for example, could undo the benefits of an hour's workout. So could a cafe mocha or an ice cream cone. It is one of the main reasons I like to work out right before I was going to eat. During the week, I come home from work, I work out, and then I make dinner. Weekends, I often work out before my morning coffee or right before lunch. But again, watch and measure. I've seen my oil pours or my scoop of rice or my oatmeal get heavier right after I work out. It is such a subconscious thing unless you really watch and measure. You may not even notice it. Again, this is why I use a scale and grams or pre-measured items like instant oatmeal packets or pre-measured rice when possible. If your meal is done right, you can fuel up while staying on plan. This journey doesn't have to be torture. It really can be fun and fulfilling. Will you want to work out every day? No, but I can assure you after you're done, you will feel so good and have a huge sense of accomplishment. Thank you for listening. And I look forward to you joining me for future episodes of the Parachute Advice Podcast. 
you can contact me at parachuteadvicepodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word, parachuteadvicepodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at parachuteadvice. Thank you for listening, and please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.